This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 48 is brought to you by the No Nonsense Forex Discord Forum. I need to shout out the Discord Forum again. Uh, They're really doing some great things over there. And if you trade, and we pretty much all trade, and if you invest, and we pretty much all invest, you need to surround yourself with the right people. I talk about doing this on Twitter all the time, but a lot of those people on Twitter aren't doing the exact same things you do. The people on the No Nonsense Forex Discord Forum are. And there are awesome ideas being shared every single day. We're talking Forex. We're talking buy and hold. We're talking crypto, metals, stocks, technical analysis, all of it. As time goes on, you need to surround yourself with people who are on your team. This is going to become increasingly more and more important down the road. So just do it now. Go to nonsenseforex.com, Click on the FAQs. The link is going to be right there. Sign up. Dive in. I'll see you there. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and you saw the title. You know what this is going to be about. Um, But to start off, I want to put things into perspective a little bit. Now, this is a bit hard to do without video. It's all audio. So what I want you to do is imagine a spectrum that's just a horizontal line, nothing more with two ends. And in the very middle, there's a zero. And you have all positive numbers to the right of zero. You have all negative numbers to the left of zero. All right. Now, put a slider right on top of the zero. God, I hope I'm explaining this well. (laughs) Now, however much money you bring in a month, that's how much you will move the slider from zero over to the right. So whatever you make from your job, from trading, from passive income, from staking, you know, whatever the case is. And then once you're done with that, you need to move the slider back over to the left for all of your expenses, home, food, transportation, taxes, wife and kids, gas, insurance, repairs, clothing, incidentals. All of those things move the slider back over to the left towards zero. Now when you're finished, wherever that slider is, let's hope it's on the right side of zero. That's how much discretionary income you have. And you can spend it, you can save it, you can invest it, you can do whatever you like. Now, we say all the time here on the podcast, the best way to get out of a bad situation financially is to simply make more money. And this is true. Far too many channels out there, especially in the personal finance space, talk about saving money by taking things out of the life that you enjoy and scaling back on things, often very unnecessarily. You know, at the end of the day, the inconvenient truth is you just need to make more money. But there is something to be said about that whole process of moving the slider back over to the left. If you can just do that a lot less, you will have a lot more money at the end of the month. And as this crazy decade keeps progressing, this is going to become more and more important. If you weren't making serious moves before, you have to start making serious moves now. And one of, and I'm gonna gonna say it, one of the easiest ways to move that slider to the left a lot less is to get out of a Western country. So by Western, I mean Canada, United States, uh, most of Europe, Australia, New Zealand, 80% of my audience. You know who you are. 
But we've had it so good in Western countries for so long, we get this comfort zone factor that we just don't ever want to leave. We see other countries, and every continent not named Antarctica has its cheaper countries to live, but most people are too scared to do so. So as somebody who has seen most of Europe, Western and Eastern, and much of Latin America, I've been able to see both sides. And I can tell you right now, just for example, most people in Latin America, no matter how poor the country is or how poor the country is perceived, they live a lot better than people in Western countries. And that absolutely includes the United States. And I don't really recognize this until I go back home and I see just how miserable everybody is, how they work and they make more money than the people in Latin America do, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter because everything costs more. They just never seem to get ahead the way they want to. Oh, and by the way, America has a gigantic drug problem that other countries don't have. It is so apparent every time I go home and I just walk around, you see it everywhere. You ever walk around a Walgreens or a CVS nowadays in the United States? It's a zombie movie. Nobody wants to work anymore. If they do work, they don't take pride in anything they do. Everything just keeps getting more and more expensive, and the people just sit there and take it. And the reason why most people do this is, one, I'm going to say ignorance of what else is out there. I don't say that in a bad way. People just don't know. But what I will say, too, is most people have these irrational fears about changing their situation for the better. And this is everything. I mean, how many people do you know who have been at the same job for 20 years and just complain nonstop about it? You know, imagine trying to get those people to up and move to a foreign country that they have been indoctrinated to think their entire lives was poor and dangerous and a more difficult place to be. Most people just don't want to do that. But I'll tell you right now, if you have... You know, if you have dug your heels into wherever you live right now and you're in a Western country and you have a home and you have kids in school and things like that, I understand this can be difficult. But I'll also tell you that I've met a lot of people who are in that exact same situation and just made the move anyway and rented out their home and lived in a much cheaper place. And they all love it. Nobody's going back. Now, oddly enough, I've met a lot of people, especially in Latin America, who have gone to the United States to live for a little while, and the majority of them actually do come back over time. So think about that. So you're going to find differences in different continents. I'm just going to go ahead and stick to Latin America for this one. Um, I wrote a blog on traveling and living in El Salvador about a week ago. It was really well-received. Uh, and there's no blog this week, but there will be one next week, and I'm going to write it on just overall things to know if you're going to visit or live in Latin America. Uh, but for today, let's just start with a country like Mexico, because this is somewhere that anybody can travel to, and it's a very easy gateway into the rest of Latin America, in my opinion. Uh, the minute you step foot on Mexican soil, you get a six-month visa, and if you want to renew it, all you have to do is jump over into another country for a day, come back to Mexico the very next day, and you get another six months. It's super friendly, and it's one less thing you have to worry about. And Mexico is a really big country with a lot of different places to go that are super diverse. It's a lot like the United States in that regard, but without really cold winters. Now, the Mexico a lot of people in the States know are like border towns and the northern states that are mostly desert just don't go there. 
uh, there's really no reason to. You know, once you get beyond those places and your obvious tourist traps like Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Puerto Vallarta to a degree, if you can just avoid all of the Mexico that's been jammed into your head, it's a really great place. Great place to live and really, really cheap. Everybody in the West wants to talk about inflation. You know, in the United States, oh, it's 8%. It's actually 12 It's probably more like 15 You know what? I don't feel it at all. When I'm in Mexico, everything I spend my money on, when I'm in Latin America, in any country not named Panama, I am paying anywhere from 30 to 70% less on every single thing I purchase, and that includes where I live. So 8 to 15% more on a huge discount like that, I don't even notice it. So what I normally do when I go to a new city in Mexico, for example, is I will stay in different areas of town for about seven days and stay in a hotel. If you go to any Latin American city, not in Panama right now, on Google Maps, type in hotels, you will see just how cheap some really nice hotels can be per night. We're talking like 30 to $40 a night for a full-service hotel with Wi-Fi, free breakfast, amenities, all that. In the United States, if you see a hotel room for 30 or $40, it is a drug hotel. It almost never isn't. You, know, you just can't do that anymore. Yeah, so I do that, and then I look for a place for a month once I find an area that I like. Because online, you get often really big discounts if you pay for 30 days. So I will get a place that has everything I need for anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a month. Now, I compare this to the one-bedroom apartment I was living in Las Vegas, which is actually a very reasonable-priced city. But I was paying $1,250 a month, and that was before bills. You know, when you live in these places in Mexico, you don't pay bills. They pay bills, you know, unless you're getting a legit apartment. And once you get a legit apartment, it's even cheaper than it is if you go month by month. It's so good. And then I usually try to find areas that has everything I need right around me so I don't have to, so I can just walk because I love walking. But if I ever need to go anywhere else, I can call Uber and I will have an Uber to my door in less than five minutes and it will cost me anywhere from two to five. $5, depending on what time of day it is, and that's it. And I could probably spend less if I want to take a bus or a subway, but there's no need when Ubers are that cheap. I actually recorded my transportation costs one month, and it was $67 for the month. Compare that to what most of you spend on public transportation or your car with gas and insurance and everything else. It's insane. You know, do I have a home? No. Do I have a car? No. Does it matter at all? Absolutely not. I used to own a home and a car, and it sucked. I mean, yes, I did buy my condo at the wrong time, but it was the bane of my existence for 10 years, and it's the reason why I never had any money. And my car, my car's AC would conk out every summer, like, like you'd set your watch to it almost. And, you know, in summertime in Vegas, you have to have AC, so I had to pay a bunch of money for that. That car probably went through like four or five compressors. It's just, I'm telling you guys, it's so much better now. Food is always less expensive. If you don't have a kitchen where you're staying, it's not even a big deal. You can just eat out all the time, and you will still spend about as much as you would if you're in the United States and you did nothing but cook all the time. So kind of figure the, figure the math there. Um, but I like to cook, and cooking in Mexico and buying groceries, uh, it's, it's barely anything compared to what you would spend in the West. 
when you go out, a mixed drink is anywhere from like three to four dollars. Beers are less. Wine is about the same. I mean, I could really keep going. Uh, but allow me to eliminate some more irrational fears from people. And remember, I'm just talking about one country. This goes for a lot of different countries in different continents all over the world. So let's talk about safety. Now, like anywhere, you know, if you avoid the places you shouldn't be, which is just cities in general or areas within the city you're in, you're going to be fine. And there's so much information out there as to where you should stay and where you shouldn't stay. And if you're a Westerner, there's no reason to stay in anything less than the top level areas, because even those areas are going to be quite affordable. Now, this being said, I've made the mistake and ended up in areas that weren't so nice. But at no point in time, except for that one time back in 2007 when I went to Tijuana, <laughs> at no point in time in Mexico have I ever once felt unsafe walking around the streets. Now, I grew up close to a, a big city that has a lot of really bad areas. So I kind of grew up with that situational awareness that has really served me well going forward. Um, but I never really have to use it in Mexico. I never have to use it in most of Latin America. I do have to use it all the time in the United States. Even when I was in cities that you wouldn't think would be a problem. So Salt Lake City, Utah. Anchorage, Alaska. You know, I ran into some shit in both those places. The U.S. has a really bad drug problem that so many other places just don't have. Now, when a lot of people hear Mexico, they're like, well, what about narcos? Well, narcos are in certain cities, and they are not in certain cities. And sometimes this bounces around, and sometimes there is even infighting between factions. And this can pop up in a lot of different cities. Uh, but it's usually confined to areas that don't have tourists. And speaking on that, most narcos, at least the ones that have been around a while, you know, they have more money than God. For one, they don't need your money. And most of them own legitimate businesses now, typically in the tourism sector. So if anybody who is a low-level narco wants to mess with a tourist and cause them harm, you will probably never see that person ever again. And the same goes for your average criminal walking the streets. They know not to mess with gringos. If you're ever going to have problems, you're going to have problems in border towns in the northern states and usually driving out in the countryside, which I don't have much desire to do anyway. I have found the majority of cities in Mexico and Latin America to be extremely safe. Now, on to the language barrier. Uh, if you don't speak Spanish, there is going to be one, but I know retirees that have moved down to Mexico that have never bothered to learn the language at all, and they get by just fine. Uh, not learning a foreign language is inexcusable, by the way. You know, I know people that speak like four or five. If you can't be bothered to learn one, you know, I'm not sure what to tell you. Um, I do remember Tim Ferriss said this a long time ago. Said, if you want to be, if you really wanted to, become 95% proficient in any foreign language, it would take you about six months. If you wanted to go from 95% to 98%, that process would take you about six years. Moral of the story, just do the 95%. Now, as far as Spanish goes, I am probably at 35%, but I get by just fine. And if there's ever a situation where I just can't quite understand the person who's talking to me, I'll just come right out and say, hey, look, you know, my Spanish sucks. I'm sorry, I have a hard time understanding you. And they will do their best to meet you in the middle. <laughs> These are hardworking people who take pride in what they do, and they want your business. 
So I do recommend you learn the language to a certain degree of proficiency, uh, but you will have more than enough time to do that. Now, everybody out there has a different situation. I understand that, especially with your job. I will say the world is getting a lot more remote now. If you can find a way to do your job remotely in any capacity, you should already be trying to do that. But if you have a job right now or if you make your money by trading or investing or programming or content creation, whatever it is, if you don't have to be in an office at any point in time and you can be remote, I don't understand what you're doing living in a Western country right now, as expensive as it's getting. You know, if it's, if it's the quality of life is going up at the same rate, that's fine, but it's not. The cost is going up and the quality of life is going down all across the Western world. You just have to be bold, make moves, and execute. And here's the punchline. If it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you can always go back. I've told you in the past, I'm never giving up my American passport just in case things get crazy with food. I can always fly back. And make no mistake, contrarians, you already know, I am as American as apple pie. Love my country, love my people, love my culture. But unless I have to, I'm not going back. For what? To make less money and live worse? I'm good. I can see myself being in Latin America for a while. It's a wonderful place with wonderful people. Now, uprooting yourself and leaving the Western world for a poorer country on purpose seems absolutely crazy to most people. I understand that. But very soon, it won't be. I'm telling you right now, the migration is already happening on the down low. When it's all said and done, they're going to learn that I wasn't crazy at all. They're going to realize that I was just early.